chase, okay? What are you guys selling? You're drowning and I throw you a life jacket. Would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show him a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Well, no big stacks and jacks. I'm Tamal. Mr. Matt Weber on the board on a Monday. Uh, welcome always to the studio for our executive producer back in... Uh, it'll always be his spot, even if he's one day a week. Uh, we also have Mr. Greg Pappas in the studio. And we've got so much crap to talk about. Matty, I don't know where to start. Uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, Crazy. Don't start with the Bears because they're pretty boring. I'm just I'm just worried about you today. I'm just I, you might go to an Angelica moment. Who cares? All they do is lose. Yeah, uh, and 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 they is is all of them right? Yeah. Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks, uh, our Col- our you know Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not any good. Notre Dame. Yeah, not Notre Dame good. lost too. Uh, and don't even start on the baseball teams. Now wait, a minute. we can take Sal's Notre Dame win- women. Kick the crap out of UConn, which is always good. It's always good to see Gino lose. I get that. <laughs> you know, Gino uh, was offered the DePaul job back in the day. Really? Yep. Really? That would have been and interesting. We would have liked him here. And Oriyama and uh, Bruno are buddies. Um, I have a. I don't. I, you know, probably. Well, I shouldn't do this on a Monday morning. I'm going to. The young lady at, at Notre Dame was a big star. Now she's a big star in the WNBA. Ogallali. What's her name, Minnie? I actually don't know her name, um, but she's. I remember who you're talking about. Kevin would know. Well, she's she's I did this big interview yesterday. She's back at the game, and she's a. I mean, she's one of Kevin's favorites. She's evidently a great. She's at this huge hat that's like covering her face while she's been interviewed. When the, the, the hat says "Off White," is there some message there, or does that just happen to be? Is that a brand or something? I don't know. Maybe it's an NIL deal. Yeah, I don't know. I well, mean, she's a pro now, so. Oh. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's not nil anymore. Now she's just getting paid. But I don't know the brand. Um, I'm like, God, you're. First of all, you're a very attractive young lady. Get the hell the hat off when you're on TV, for God's sake. Unless you didn't, <laughs> unless you didn't comb your hair, I don't know. But doesn't seem to bother people on CNBC. <laughs> they didn't comb their hair, but anyway, doesn't doesn't bother your buddy from uh, F- FTX, man. Or did that, is that guy get <laughs> <a, laughs> is that guy in jail yet? No, I mean he's on I, a media tour. Yeah, he's on a. Uh, he had a congressional thing. He's going to see Maxine Waters and that group. Um, he sees things. Clemson's. I, I, I am so. It's funny how fifty million in political donations uh, buy yeah. some goodwill in Congress. Well, didn't some guy in the, in the firm give? I don't know. It was the same amount. Didn't give a bunch of money to Republicans to his side. There's anybody oh, yeah. cleaning this? Yeah. He even said, I think, uh, what was it? Last week that he gave equal to Republicans. Only he didn't make a big deal of it because he didn't want his PR to go down. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what uh, some of my buddies who are in, in tune with Chicago politics say. The last thing they want is a contested election because they got to give money to both sides. Because you never you never know who's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> you got you got to grease the winner. It's yeah. like, hey, you know, I just I, I'm I'm stunned. I mean, uh, uh, Maddie, this week somewhere, uh, our guys that know more than me, which you guys do both about this this uh, Bitcoin. I, I am stunned at this one. This one outfit, and there's a big article here on the CNBC about it, and I'll, I'll throw it up here. It has to do with, they just went under, and evidently the, the people, evidently you could you could pledge your, your I knew I knew people were doing this, because Kenny Polkieri was talking about it, but you could actually 
pledge your Bitcoin uh, and then and, and make a loan for like, a house, like a like a mortgage loan almost. Yeah, that's the DeFi world. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I'm just I'm just curious as to how everything everybody's told me. The, the guys that are to, or to, the name the name the firm's name is uh, Celsius here, and they I mean you know everything you guys have told me not, not you guys <coughs> like you're defending anything, but the whole purpose of this Bitcoin was it was going to be outside of normal stuff, it wasn't going to be regulated. It was on its own. It was going to be the new currency away from business, away from the normal crap. <laughs> Away from clearly regulation and SEC and stuff, and here it is. It's right into the same garbage that people did with tulips for God's sake. The uh, they they made people post uh, what four times the amount you want on your loan. So if you wanted a loan for four hundred grand, you had to give them one point six million worth of Bitcoin as collateral. So I'm I'm curious is is if this is so in your hot little wallet that only you can get, and of course if you forget your password, not you can't ever get. How you give that? How you pledge that to somebody else? Do you have to give them your password, and they turn around, and now they don't have it. Well, where, where the hell is it? <laughs> and did somebody cash it in? Is it, is it in the ether? I, I, I'm totally mystified by this. Can any of you guys help me at all, Maddie? <laughs> That's all you, man. Oh yeah. So uh, I would imagine it's just another centralized form of the Celsius would act as the clearing and just take a piece that way, but. Um, what is it? I think Galaxy Digital was the one who bought out, which is Mike Novogratz. So if anybody wants to get upgraded on or updated, excuse me, on that, uh, you follow Mike Novogratz on Twitter. It's a good one. And uh, Galaxy Digital, I believe, is the name of the firm who's trying to sort some of that out or at least buy the assets out from uh, whatever Celsius had and probably at a pretty big discount. So whatever they think it's worth is is more than what the market probably values it right now. Well, forgive me for being somewhat anal on this, but since I essentially own own and participate in a, in a securities firm and a uh, a uh, money management firm, there's way there, there's ways to do this that you can't short circuit. I I don't know how the hell I have no idea how you could pledge somebody your Bitcoin after all the stuff that people told me about that thing being so secure to you. Well, if you put it on an exchange, I mean not your uh not your keys not your money is that what it says well then they then they somehow lost it now what did they do with it how could you lose it you guys see it being in their vault (laughs) well if their collateral or if their underlying goes down and well that's what happened the underlying went down and they and then the people one guy paid his loan back and said okay where's my bitcoin so we can't find it or we don't have it right but 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 it's somewhere did somebody else have the ability to sell it well, it probably was worth less, and then they had to uh, stake it themselves as collateral. Okay, but I'm, I, I, I don't know. If I'm, I'm not being clear. I mean, I understand. Given the given the wallet and the password and all the quote security. Well, as soon as you turn it over to them or you give them cash, you know that's that's the same thing. I would imagine as someone writing PTI a check for cash. Well, I, I, I understand that part. I'm just saying this was whole design where you couldn't do that. There the, wouldn't be a street name. There wouldn't be somebody else that could sell your stuff. But this stuff seems to have just disappeared. I mean, there has to be. I, mean, I don't know. Anyway, we, <laughs> since we don't know, but it, it's, it just seems weird to me. Yeah, one guy sent him a check to pay off his loan, and then they, they said, well, we don't have your collateral. You're out. Right. So, all right. Well, I just... <laughs> anyway, uh, 
Greg, for those of us that, that didn't hear the other day when you called in, let's go over the uh, the thing with the uh, uh, the meal, the, the biodiesel stuff last week. Oh, right. So you had a chance to dig through more than ten minutes of it. Yeah, the the government uh, revised their bio renewable and biodiesel uh, estimates, and what happened was they were way out of line with what the people who were uh, planning and and they wanted to increase uh, total available biodiesel and renewables, and the projects that everybody had started were were kind of overkill, and the market went limit down in you know ten minutes or whatever, and it was it was a fiasco. <laughs> it was, yeah, all the expectations for future production. I think for the next three years were kind of. Uh, off to what the market was thinking, and it was limit down in the bean oil, which means, um, I mean, good for consumers, uh, but in terms of the back end of energy production and um, energy production, and as it relates to the food and our and our oils, it was not not a great day. I mean. You said it made some people rich and some people not so rich. Yeah, and I dug into that a little bit, and I'm thinking the people who got hurt the most won't feel it as much because a lot of the money behind those new plants to process and uh, get those edible oils are the refiners, the oil refiners themselves. So they've got pretty deep pockets right now, so this most likely won't affect them as much, but... The people who were, you know, who essentially believed the government uh, that they were going to increase these these credits for renewables and biodiesel, um, they got burned pretty badly. Well, anytime something like this happens, I mean, we've had uh, all kinds of, well, a lot of different contributors in the show that are just a little more conservative than me, let's say, are convinced it's all the Biden administration. And to be uh, perfectly blunt, uh, for some, and there's reasons for it. I'm not. It's not total criticism on my part. I mean, it, you you would think, me being a free market dude, that you wouldn't have to do any of this stuff yet. So the government really wants uh, cleaner energy, right? And how do they how do they uh, encourage that? Well, they do credits and they they <clears throat> make rules. So the rules in terms of these are. Uh, RINs and they, uh, what's well, it's sort of like you had to use ten percent ethanol, right? Gas, right, that it. kind of stuff. And so these uh, companies and people who are kind of on the per- supply side, they start ramping up and ramping up to the point where you know there's some one subset of uh, one subset group is saying there's not going to be actually enough crop within the next five years. So. We're building all this infrastructure to process all these renewable and biodiesel and get these emissions down and decrease our carbon footprint. That ADM, Marathon, you know, those kind of companies, big, uh, Philip 66, I think Chevron, they're investing hundreds of millions of dollars into these processing facilities in, in anticipation of getting these credits. 
And then the government kind of comes out and says, oh, well, we're going to increase it, you know, one or two percent a year. And they've already got, you know, the the deals in place and everything. And so it, it was a big miss for those those guys who, which, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it, the volatility is. is well, the volatility is, is uh, and I'm, I'm going to say out of all the politics we sometimes go through on the show, the one statement I can make that if anybody thinks a second to listen to me, They'll think I'm right on this one. Manny knows I, I very seldom say I'm right all the time. But this time, this idea that every every four years or even two years, we're going to have this new government and all the rules for everything are going to change. And that happens every four years. You can't bleep up investment any more if you tried than doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the goal is a good goal. You obviously want to reduce uh, carbon footprint. You want to have cleaner burning you know energy uh what it costs is a different kind of question though so there's that's conflated a lot I well what, ha- what happens i mean in, in the economic explanation especially when you're talking in a world where there's oligopolies and mon- monopolies and these industries are very concentra- concentrated and new people can't get money for the same amount of dough that that, that uh old people can i mean try and Amazon just went out for ten years last week, and I, I'm within a couple of hundredths of a. They got ten year money at four point seven. It was it wasn't even a, a point. It might have been just a point over Treasury. Well, if somebody comes out and says we need some biodiesel, in the conglomerate of Matt Weber, uh, you know Gre- Greg Pappas and and Tom Howe decide to get in that business, I got news for you: the number is not going to be four percent. Right. So the. The uh, the companies that are doing it might be reluctant, so then the government says, "Okay, because we have this, you know, non-competitive situation we're dealing with." Not saying they should break them up, or I'm just saying we're out. We we need to do something to cause people to make this happen. So we're going to either give financing to somebody new that allows them to go get money on the market, the same as an Exxon would, or something like that, or we're going to motivate, or we're just going to make a law saying, "Hey, you got to put 10 percent alcohol and ethanol in the gas and." It's up to you to yeah, and that's part to of get it. it. So any of that whole buffet of crap, they can they can essentially throw in there and say this is what we want to have happen. But the problem comes down is if if one I'm not saying I don't know why the, the Biden guys did this, but somewhere along the line, if you know, let's say there's all these things going out there for uh, you know we don't we don't want to do any oil, we don't want to do any we're going to do uh, everything's going to be renewables, and there's money flying out there for windmills, you know, God knows what. Uh, rats running up a ramp. I mean, whatever it is, you know, we're going to do all that, and all of a sudden, say, uh, Biden and Trump run again, and Trump wins, and he goes, "Okay, screw, it, we're not doing any of that stuff." Right. You know, then, then all of a sudden, we're that's sitting kind there, of yeah. the scenario that we yeah. we saw, and and still, there's much farther uh, to fall if they really <laughs> the the credits are really still, I'd say, you know, fifty percent higher than than they were from two thousand seven. Yeah. It's it's uh, you don't want to have uncertainty. Obviously, there's uncertainty in anything. They were they said they were committed to both renewable, which means uh, you can you can drop the feed into the the plants and then have it come out as say either jet fuel or or uh, you just drop it in and it comes out. Or you could do the blending, which is the biodiesel. So the the biodiesel is processed and then you mix it into what's the group in uh there's a county maybe we covered this there's a county in florida or florida wisconsin 
It has massive amounts of. Uh, is it a big? Is it a huge Frito Lay plant up there or something? Oh, the the edib- I mean, those oils are in very they're big recycled. demand. Yeah. They're recycled. So the the uh, the oil they use to fry your your taco chips. Yep. They essentially recycle that out to some plant out there, and guys use it for their tractors. Right, because there's the the carbon has already been put in the atmosphere for that, so those are very valuable. Yeah. So. But, the whole point, I mean, I mean, it's like a pipeline. We're, we're building the pipeline. We order all the pipes. All of a sudden, oops, we're not building the pipe. I mean, you, you can't screw with people more. You know, I mean. It, <laughs> well, in some cases, you know, their their goal is to uh, is to help the planet, and their goal is to reduce the emissions and improve energy independence, and uh, you know, have some kind of energy security. But how much it costs is is what we're all arguing about now. And when the politicians kind of swing back and forth, you get the same reaction in the in the markets. And does anyone really care that soybean oil was limited down? Uh, well, one day it's, in twenty twenty two. Not kind of, really, but well, it's kind of my next point though. Is everybody thinks this doesn't affect them yet? It, we're it, all, we're all in the same fishbowl, right? And if, and if you do something where you totally screw a group of people, if, who knows? They 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 may. Have been trying going to go buy a car at your dealership. They may have been going to go buy something online that you make. They may have been going to put money in PTI securities. And all of a sudden, they don't. So to, to think that you you that you aren't affected just monetarily, not to mention the people the people hit. Yeah, you're very much affected because you're paying for it. Also, yeah. the government is taking money and giving it to uh, say farmers and processors in order to develop these technologies. So as part of it, you know the they're doing the research and and they're encouraging it but you know how much do you really and how long do you really want to pay for it as a taxpayer and in the on the food side as a consumer you are paying say and there's a big debate about this and i'm kind of on the side yeah it raises prices because we're diverting corn and beans now towards these energies and then that means it's not available as feedstock and it's not available for us to eat so some people and I think I'm one of these people, but, you know, that's just an opinion. Um, say that the corn and the bean prices have gone up, you know, around 30% because of these subsidies that are being passed out. Well, ever since when it all, it's hard to put a, a number right, on how much right. it's affected, it's, but when this when this all started, I mean, when I, back in the 80s, corn was 250 a bushel. Mm-hmm. Now it's, what, six? Yeah, more. Seven or eight, but I mean, is that, is that but no, you also have, Problems overseas. You've got inflation. You've got people who can't afford. I mean, uh, my brother Dan goes through once in a while, and he gets, sends it to me. And whenever I ask for it again, he, you know, of course, gives me brotherly crap about. Geez, I just gave it to you. Uh, what's that thing, Maddie? We've had it before. It's it's the the U, the United Nations World uh, Food something something. And whenever it, it's pretty, I mean, it, this, again, this is it's hard to put cause on it, like you're saying, Greg. But the last time. Uh, People around the world. I mean, it makes back. sense but that people if you're around the world, people. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about the Sinai Peninsula, places like that, we're, we're not we're not all the U.S. Okay, so uh, those people, if if the price of cereal is the column, cereal means that you can eat for the day. I mean, you're not gonna, you're not going to eat oil, but cereal is the column. When that gets over five bucks a day, most of the world can't afford it. And the last time it got over that much for a, for a long period of time, essentially was the Arab Spring. Yeah, it caused that's nothing, a nightmare. It caused nothing but revolution all over the damn place. And now we're looking at the, you know, the Iran 
getting rid of the morality police and all that stuff. But you, you have to ask yourself, what's going on in Iran, what's going on in China? I mean, is it really about the scarf? Is it really about COVID? And COVID probably is in China, but is it really about that or is it about economics and it's just need, needing a, a reason to blow up? Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, uh, you know, as he, he used to say, w- w- wars have, have been fought you know, for economic reasons in the name of religion, <laughs> you know, since, since God knows when. But, you know, as Mike Royko once said, you know, war is nothing other than they got it, we want it, let's take it. Uh, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. But, but anyway, it's, it's, it, I think what happens, yeah, you're right. And, and does anybody really care uh, that, that, that beans were, were down the limit last week? Uh, no. Bean oil, bean not oil. even beans, yeah. But, I mean, so, the fact is, you have... How many did, did a lot of people care about the environmental credits. A lot of people care about uh, the cost of eating. It's it's the what is it called the butterfly effect, yeah. where everything kind of is definitely starts with food and energy. So when you start mixing the two, and if it does raise prices, you know that's an issue for. You know, what what if I just spent the last two years? Uh, the guy was building a plant. You were most of those were in Nebraska and were South Dakota and so forth. He sent me a chart. Um, yeah, there's. I mean, each of those plants, depending on how big it is, you know, you have to take out a serious amount of debt. Yeah, I and mean, you need to. You need to have. It, it's good. I mean, in terms of processing, but where's the meal going to go is another big question. You know, you can have however many beans process the beans. What are you going to do with all the meal? Well, you got to export it. So where's that going to go? Well, do you have the rail infrastructure to get it out? Because you know we're not going to use it all here. So where's it going to go? Who's going to do the deal? Well, you have to infrastructure. Make sure everybody has to go work there for nothing. <laughs> you know, never pass the law. <laughs> but yeah, we, but but people. I mean, I didn't do this, but what if one of those guys would have called me and said, "Hey, chief, we got a a plan out here. We're going to have 500 employees. How about putting together a, a, a pension plan for these guys? Or not? That one put together a plan, but I might manage it. And uh, all of a sudden, I you know my family's going back and forth to South Dakota twenty times in the last two years, and all of a sudden, oops, there's no plant. Well, hell, it affects me. You, yeah. It, I mean, it, it affects, just because you're not affected, first of all, I don't think you might not be affected. But you everybody's probably, affected everybody's by affected. energy. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. I mean, especially when you cross the streams. Well, anytime, anytime somebody in this country gets absolutely screwed, somebody somewhere suffers. Either his local bar, local restaurant, local grocery store, or his broker, <laughs> whatever, somebody does. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, we, we, once we decide it's not us, I don't care. Then, then you know maybe that's one of the problems we have. But uh, the uh, anywho, I, I'm, I'm curious about this as the week goes on. I'm going to learn more and more about this uh, crypto stuff because I don't know how the hell this thing became such a. I don't know how you even begin to do that. How how PTI on their own without an exchange, without banks, would would take people's collateral and give them loans. I, I don't. Well, if you want to go to a Bahama office, I'll I'll go down there with you. I was there once. You know what? I was in the Bahamas. Manny knows this story. I was in Bahamas for three days down there lecturing. I couldn't wait to get home. I couldn't stand a place. Nothing but mosquitoes, heat. And everybody said, you got to eat this conch stuff. I had conch for breakfast, lunch. <laughs> After two meals, I didn't want any more conch. So I don't know. I'm just a bad, a bad island kind of guy. I'm just a... Plus, they just had the hurricane down there, so the place looked horrible. Um, anywho, but I couldn't believe how much money the people had. We went to... What's... Maddie, what's the joint where uh, Michael Jordan has the big, the, the the little, like, it's like the the suite is the bridge between the two buildings. Isn't that like Atlantis or something? Yeah, Atlantis. Yeah, in, in Nassau. That's quite a place. 
I've never been. It's a um, PTI. Go, they have a great uh, basketball tournament there, college basketball tournament there every every fall. DePaul plays that. But there's yeah, they put in it. But there's nothing there. You, there's, there's there's the airports on one side of the place. And the guy drives you on the wrong side of the road. But he's but they don't have the the wheel on the right. They got the wheel on the left. So if you're sitting in the passenger seat, you're in the left side. You're in the left side of the road, and all the other cars are coming like right at you. It, it's really freaky <laughs> sitting in that passenger seat when you got a left hand drive. I mean, it's one thing to be on the other side of the road when you got right hand drive, but when you don't, it's really freaky. Anyway, <clears throat> then there's this Cable Beach area, which is like a that's where we stayed. That's where you know, there's hotels there and a couple of casinos. Then you go past another bunch of stuff, and then there's Atlantis. There's I mean, I, I, you know how anybody could live there. I have no idea. But Atlantis is really something. They have a, a harbor. The, the boats are in that harbor. I mean, some of them, I walk by and, you know, I'm 6'4", and I'm on the I'm on the dock. The, the bows of these things are way over my head. But you could rent one of those things for like ten grand a week. You get a couple servants, and I think it's, well, that was back then. And, they, you know, you get all the chow you want, but if you want to move it, you got to, like, fill it up, and it's, that's thirty grand or something, or it was back then. So if you, if you actually want to go, to, go for a ride. In the it sounds like a business expense here. Uh, well, yeah. But, of course, Audrey will be on later. Great story. She uh, she ends up winning like two grand at the uh, or fifteen hundred whatever it was at one of the. Nice. You machine. make her pay. She went around to drinks. Said, uh, "They went another <laughs> drink and went to bed." <laughs> it went in the it went in the room safe and uh, didn't see that for until we went home. But just smart. Well, of course, I advised her. It was one of those things where she won like I don't know three four hundred. Then it was spin the wheel if you wanted to. We either got had to give it back, or else you got up. You to probably five told time. her not to spin the wheel. No, no, I said you're on a roll. Spin the wheel, so she oh. gets she gets the five. So it went up to like fifteen hundred. Wow! Think I got a piece. <laughs> I never got ever got. I got I got a, a gin and tonic or something. That was the only, that was all I got out of it. Man, went right in the absolutely in the hotel safe. Huh? There's something the guy the guy comes out. He and that's why she's rich. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> bingo. And, and the guy comes out and flips. It, it was so much though, it wouldn't pay out of the machine, right? So the guy comes out. It's, you know, it's only fifteen hundred bucks. The guy comes out and, and, and gives her the fifteen hundred and says, "Okay, I think we should leave this place." <laughs> okay, then I don't think the place is real happy with her. <laughs> SP futures down twenty, but that's a smart thing to do, obviously. Uh, SP futures down twenty, NASDAQ futures down fifty. Be back, Mister John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, 
Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right there, right now. Hello, everybody. Stacks and Jacks. I'm We have Mr. Greg Pappas in the studio. We have Mr. Matt Weber on the board. We have Mr. John Flanning on the phone in a minute. SP Futures now down 20 and a quarter, so we've been leaking really the whole first half hour here. But NASDAQ Futures down 50. So we've been down a couple days, a little bit, after the big move up on Wednesday. Uh, Dow futures down 145. Individual stocks, nothing crazy. We got uh, Salesforce down a buck six. There's really nothing down heavy in the Dow here. Boeing down a buck 21. Uh, Chevron's up 127 because of what oil's doing, which I'll just tell you in a second. Uh, Europe uh, down 90, and the DAX 0.6. What's he's up 10.1 percent? Kakaran down 36.5. So nothing, nothing crazy over there. Over in Asia, the Nikkei's up 42.1 percent. Shanghai up 55 1.7. Hang Seng is up 4.5% up 8.42 as they've relaxed a little few more of the virus rules. Uh, boy, t- Greg, is this the buy of the century? 14.5 this thing. Is that three weeks ago? No, it's 19.5. So that's Bingo. That 30% in two, two weeks. How do, you, how do you beat that, for God's sake, if you happen to be in there? And I don't know how you trade the Seng, but I guess there's a way we could do it. Uh, on Friday, the Dow was up 34. NASDAQ or S&P was down 5. NASDAQ down 20, so kind of a leakage in the broad market, but nothing really very slight. Bonds up two basis points, 3.52, again, way away from the 4% they were. The Bund 1.84, down one, again, away from the 2% they were. Japan, they're still at 0.25. Oil up again, 2.4%, 2.11, 82.09. Rent up 2.23, 87.80. I'm glad I 
filled up most of the suburban tank this weekend. Natural gas down 42 cents, 585. That's a 7% move in natural gas. That's a lot. Uh, probably has something to do with Europe or maybe the How weather. What's your favorite? Uh, actually, I did, I did some stuff in a in an oil company that has some natural gas, but it was just a calendar spread out a little bit. I'm, I think over the winter it might creep up a little bit. But not, oh, I was talking good. about Bitcoin. Oh, God. Uh, our about <clears throat> up four cents, about three two thirty two. We got gold is uh, down a dollar ten, but it's still over eighteen hundred. Eighteen oh eight. It was under seventeen hundred not too long ago. Silver down five cents, twenty three twenty. Copper unchanged three eighty five. We've got Bitcoin is up one hundred seventy four seventeen thousand two seventy. Still doing its best to hold the seventeen thousand number, even though there's all kinds of controversy in that industry. We have the uh, U.S. dollar. It's kind of mixed. The uh, it's down a little bit to the euro, just a little bit, 1.05. With the pound, even though it's down, uh, the pound is down 8 ticks this morning. It's one, still 1.23, a long way from the 1.045 bottom it made, I'm going to say, a month ago. Eddie, what do you have for us, Trevi, Weather Sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have an issue uh, to the south of us, Chief. In fact, a couple of issues. Uh, the Dan Ryan outbound side is still closed due to an early morning accident that saw... A truck versus a car. The truck hit the wall and caught fire, and uh, uh, the red line service has been temporarily suspended between 69th and 95th Street, and all traffic is being diverted off at the Ryan at 83rd Street, and uh, the Ryan is closed between 83rd and 87th, uh, and has traffic all the way backed up to 71st Street. So if you can avoid the outbound Ryan this morning, I would certainly do that. It's been closed all morning uh, due to uh, an, uh, an investigation that also has the red line closed. Uh, down in that area. We also have a closure on I-80 uh, eastbound side, just between uh, US-45, uh, which is uh, uh, 96th Avenue, and 80th Avenue. That has I-80 completely uh, jammed up, all lanes blocked, approaching the grain. Traffic is getting through on the shoulder, uh, but solid traffic. Expect big-time delays on I-80 as well to the south. So a couple of issues uh, uh, on the south side and south suburbs to deal with. We also have one other crash in the area. That's on the Stevenson northbound just before Lamont Road, which is exit 271. That crash has been moved to the left shoulder, but causing a little bit of uh, delays as you're navigating around that. Everything else looking good out there. Weather today, a cloudy, a somewhat mild day, a high of 43, so we warm up a little bit from the weekend. Right now it is mostly clear and 31 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 67 today. Right now it's clear and 59. In sports, the Bears uh, had a nice lead early and then completely fell apart in the second half, losing at home to the Packers 28-19. to Justin Fields had some good moments and some not-so-good moments. He finished 20 of 25 for 254 yards passing. He also had six carries for 71 yards and a touchdown, uh, highlighted by a 55-yard touchdown uh, early in the ballgame, but uh, threw two big interceptions as well that uh, contributed to the loss, and uh, the Bears dropped to 3-10 and on the season and 2-4 and at home. Sunday Night Football, it was the Cowboys uh, blowing out the Colts behind a 33-point fourth quarter uh, to beat Indianapolis 54-19 last night. In NBA basketball, Bulls lost to the Kings 110-101. Bulls are a dreadful 9-14. Suns blew out the Spurs 133-95. In hockey, Blackhawks were shut out by the Islanders 3-0. Blackhawks are 7-13-4 after they got off to a nice start. Cowdies were off last night. They're at the Flames tonight. And lastly, college hoops, one positive thing. <laughs> Northwestern upset Michigan State on the road, 70-63. to What happened to Michigan State? The Irish killed them. The Irish aren't very good. The Michigan State got off to a nice start, and then, uh, yeah, they've lost like four in a row or they, three out of four or something. Or something. I don't know. What, um, what if you had a, hey, Jan, how are you? And ask Maddie, uh, 
since Maddie's here, I love asking sports questions because I miss him when he's not. Uh, what 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 has been the resurgence of the Cowboys? Is it just no injuries this year or what? Um, that's part of it. Dak Prescott uh, came back from injury. He's been good. They've always had great skill players and a great defense. Um, and so this year, yeah, I, they, they have two really good running backs. They have really good receivers. Uh, Dak Prescott's played well. Um, they seem to have it all together, and they've stayed healthy so far. So as long as they stay healthy, they're one of the favorites in the NFC. What is uh, the, the, the San Francisco quarterback due to them going down yesterday? Uh, it doesn't help. Not the, now their top two quarterbacks are out for the season. Uh, they lost Trey Lance, if you remember, uh, yeah. week week one or two. I think week two uh, out for the year. And now uh, Jimmy broke his foot yesterday, so he's out for the year. And uh, I don't even know who their their third string now starting he played, quarterback played well is. yesterday, whoever he was. Well, yeah, they, that was a nice win. They blew out the Dolphins yesterday. I was at the Bear game yesterday, so I, I really missed out on the rest of the NFL. Usually I'm very yeah, but you got to watch the Bears. I did watch the Bears, and it was uh, we were at the United Club seats, which was great. So uh, sitting in the sun while we were outside, and you can always pop inside and warm up. Was what great. was the percentage outside, inside? As far as people? As far as you. Oh, we were actually uh, mostly outside, surprisingly, because, like I said, we, it was... There was no wind, and it was in the sun, so it actually felt very comfortable. Cool. Did you, uh, you drag the wife with you, or she said no to that? No, it was just the guys. She's, she was with the baby. Now, are we really not going to talk about the biggest sports news? Or the, or the, uh, or that's what Mr. Murphy's calling in at the, at the uh, top of the hour to do that. So Cristiano we, Ronaldo signing for $770 million or whatever. Oh, I didn't see that. With who? <laughs> I think some Saudi. I, I saw it on Twitter, so I'm not entirely sure it's, it's true, but it says that uh, you know, more than half a million uh, pounds is that, or uh, it's a uh, Saudi Saudi club. Wow. Yeah. So what is that? Two hundred a year. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, Matt Weber's still trying to be. Uh, he figures by the time he wants to be one of those guys, you know, by one name like that. So how you, how you, how you, how's that working, Matt? Yeah, it's a problem when your first name and your last name are both common. Yeah, to be known as one per, one name. Oh, well, you were the guy from. Uh, Bitcoin. He was Jack. I mean, Jack. That's pretty true. Common. That's pretty common. He was able to pull that off. I don't know how. Yeah, and, uh, and then he, he uh, as the day he got his what seven hundred million dollar check from the takeover, he apologized to all the people who got laid off, saying he hired too many people. That, that was mighty. That was mighty <laughs> blessed of him. So, supposedly, Ronaldo turned down. I think it was five million a week to play for one Saudi team, and then the other one. Uh, offered him i think a two and a half year contract just big big numbers <laughs> god so hey we're going to shift gears a little bit because uh, we're going to be talking almost all soccer at, at the top of the hour but uh mr flanagan is uh, a sage on many topics but he's certainly a uh, our biggest <clears throat> sage when it comes to real estate and certainly chicago history so john if you were uh listening to radio this morning and they told you that the rain was closed and like to take Halsted or State Street or take the Halsted Street bus, would that be an eye opener for you? Yeah, <laughs> that will be a new era when that kind of news comes on. I guess you know it's never really an option of the traffic reports. Can you imagine instead of getting on the red line, which is an adventure in itself, taking the State Street bus downtown? I can't. I can't. The even. six, right? Is that the one? I, yeah, I mean, I, well, Halston's the eight. I remember that. Yeah. They used to take that one when I was young, but I can't imagine happening on the, the Halston bus. You'll South fit side. right in. Oh, I think I wouldn't. But I'd, <laughs> well, and that that was a preferred way for a lot of people, you know, in the streetcar days. Uh, yeah, there was the, the Halston downtown bus, 
made a detour, I think, maybe on Archer. Yeah, on the like red line, you can buy whatever smokes you want. Too. And you know, it was, was it, not every Halsted bus went that way, but in the rush hour, a lot of them did. And, and the State Street streetcar, um, Cottage Grove, Wentworth, all those south side routes, that were, you know, some of the longest bus streetcar routes in the city, and people just got on, you know, plowed ahead day after day after day. And you, I mean, it, it seems unthinkable today, but, you know, in the days before expressways and what the, they were the arterial streets. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, have, you could make okay time. It was, a, it was a long slog, though. Well, the Archer Express was always reasonably quick, but, God, you were packed in like a sardine. Oh, man, yeah. They didn't run ever fast enough for people. You know, for well, Greg, for young guys like you and Mr. Weber, they used to actually, on State Street, when you'd line up, the, the bus would come up, and there's just boatloads of people on every corner. And everybody, there was a guy in the, in the back, a conductor. They opened the back door, and they'd stuff people on the back and the front. So you're talking about every single spot. I mean, if you didn't get on it, like Randolph or something, there's no way on earth, A, you got on or ever got a seat if you got on like at Adams or something. At State, and you, and you were in there like, you know, packed like a sardine, and basically all the way, but at the first stop was what, like Halstead, then Ashland, only stop or another... Uh, it was actually pretty quick, but it was not comfortable. Everybody was all dressed up in those days. Anyway, Jan, uh, we had another big foreclosure in a downtown building, and uh, you and I were talking, if you could, you know, uh, just a little bit of the history of that. First of all, what happens during a, a foreclosure of that magnitude? Who's out what? Obviously, the owners basically say, I think, um, if, suppose you, simple example, you put up 50 mil and you get a Alone for two hundred, and all of a sudden you say, "Look, there's nobody here. My fifty's gone." By the way, it's yours. Is essentially what happens, right? Right, right. And, and these are being worked out. I mean, it, it shows that what kind of market we're in. That these are, you know, mostly deeds in lieu of foreclosure now, which means there's no. You know, it's a way of, of stopping the, the meter on the legal fees in a foreclosure that really doesn't have any defenses if you're the owner of the building. Uh, the lender knows it, the owner knows it, so there's no point in dragging it out. So the, the deed in lieu foreclosure is a, a relatively quick way of surrendering the property, but of course you surrender all of your equity in the property too. So that, what's the, what is the history of that building? And plus, do you have any idea what, what their occupancy is now? Is there just it's, much it's trouble? Like, I think it's, it's 50%, I think it's 43 stories. Um, I remember when it was built, it was... It's at the southwest corner of LaSalle and Washington, 30 North LaSalle. Beautiful entrance. Yeah. And, um, you know, that that site was the, for, you know, since the 1890s, that was the, the Chicago Stock Exchange building uh, that was designed by Adler and Sullivan, who did the auditorium, and, you know, the great Chicago innovative law f- or architectural firm in the turn of the century. Uh, that building, the like a 12 or 14-story building had the trading floor for the stock exchange, and I think the stock exchange moved out in 1908. I was reading about it over the weekend, but um, I'm not sure where it moved after that, but the building continued to be one of the best, you know, investments in the loop, even all during the Depression. It had a very healthy rent roll, whereas other newer buildings, um, you know, couldn't really stay afloat for, for that entire period, but the stock exchange building did. Um, they re- City refused to get landmark status for it in the 70s. It was demolished, um, and this building that 30 North LaSalle is there now was put up by the um, Heller International Company, who wasn't, you know, a, a, a tenant in it for very long. I think they they went out of it the next year or so. But it was originally called the Heller International Building. All the windows fell out of it, you know, 
like a couple of years. <laughs> a, a Skidmore design building it had you know some good credentials, but man, they made a mistake on the windows, and it was being laughed at at the time as a sign that you know for for the wantonness, you know, in just destructing, destroying the stock exchange building. This was their penalty now, um, but it's now got fifty percent occupancy, Tom, and you know that that's pretty good these days because there's other bigger buildings that have you know fewer tenants in them but you know i I just i don't see any kind of a grand plan here to take take stock of what's happening because there's no way you can transform LaSalle street into housing in enough quantity to make that street viable for however many people want to live downtown and i i think that's a diminishing number of people these days uh, plus, Lightfoot is pushing for 30% of it to be low-income housing, which, you know, maybe makes sense to her in a kind of social engineering framework, but it certainly doesn't make sense if you're, if you're depleting other neighborhoods in Chicago that, um, you know, can't sustain themselves, and you move these people downtown where there aren't enough jobs to keep them afloat either. I don't know what this means long haul for population density, policing problems, tourism, everything else. I think it's... A, Solution, no solution at all. Yeah, I don't think it is either. But the uh, you just wonder how where this this money is going to end up. Are they, they going to look for a buy? I mean, first of all, who, it's not like these things are, are owned by you know Continental Bank or First National anymore. They're, it's always like groups of people and insurance companies and you know it's kind of. I mean, it's, it's, it's no 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 individual bank holds that mortgage, do they? Probably. Well, I, I think this is Am Bank. I think I have to go back and look at it again. Who Am Trust is the. Uh, the lender on it, and I think they, you know, their loan dates from 2014 or something, and they've, they've been they've been financing some renovation work and updating in the building, even as recently as a year ago. Um, but a lot of these are consortiums. I mean, they're they're a whole package of lenders that have bought a piece of it, um, and you get you know layers of of ownership of the loan, and this you know in a, in a, in a crash and burn scenario, which is kind of what we're looking at here. Um, there's another story being told about these these companies that are often based not in Chicago but all over the world who are taking a hit because their asset portfolio is just being demolished for, for things like this. Uh, that's that's the other side of the story that you know makes them gun shy for any kind of development of this size ever again, or at least developments of, of this character, you know, like central central city office space. I just see that as a bad bet for any kind of lender now. Um, speaking of the legal fees, which you mentioned, uh, I'm kind of go back to what we talked about the first hour very briefly. But I, it has to do with this uh, the Celsius crypto joint, joint crypto joint, like it's a bar. My south side will never leave, Jan. What can I say? Um, God bless it. Though. Well, the people that are looking for their collateral back, okay. The one of the firms, and it's probably some firm you know, kind of like you work for one of these days. Uh, but the legal firm, let's see who the hell this is. It's, I'll find it, but it's a it's a company that we would all. Uh, David at Bankrupt Lawyer McCarter in English, who was representing Celsius. These represent represent, represent the creditors, but evidently, the uh, the people at the place say that uh, um, who, are, who, are, who are the legal people for this outfit are saying, well, your collateral doesn't come back until we're paid for. How does how does a collateral, which is a deposit? A good faith deposit of your stuff. How does that ever be get commingled into a legal fee? Well, it depends on how the you know the alienating agreements were signed, or you know what, what kind of provisions they had in them. If the if the lawyers have a lien.
hardly say sure, you know, but um, depending on how much other cash you got floating around or how liquid you want to be, I could see how that could happen. But I mean, you could. It'd be a smart move. We don't really, we don't do, well, we could do this. We'd never have been asked, asked to. But if you wanted to, a guy like you, you, you could drop, well, where the hell's, I'll just say IBM. Well, say IBM's 100 bucks. You could drop hundred thousand dollars into into PT hundred thousand shares of stock into PTI of IBM. Just deposit it if you wanted to, and say it was a hundred dollars a share. Hundred thousand times a hundred is what ten million. You could get if you wanted to build a uh, build and remodel three homes. You could easily get you know a, a several million dollar up to fifty percent of that of that uh, IBM worth. You know, granted if stock starts to go down. If it goes below thirty percent, you got to start paying up or selling. Uh, you know, that's another lesson. But you, we we would be we RBC or IB wherever you were would be very happy to loan you money on that stock. But this is all uh, you know. The Federal Reserve sets how much you can do it. There's a bank who will take the IBM. There's this whole mechanism in place, and there's documents that everybody's seen for you know sixty years or eighty years that everybody knows where everybody stands. I I can't imagine. RBC, I don't think RBC or IB could ever have a problem to the extent where the the, the RBC attorneys take your IBM stock. I, I, I can't even imagine that happening. And yet these guys at Celsius say there are no agreements. <laughs> there are no. I mean, the, the people gave them stuff uh, almost at a handshake. And, and we're, how, what, what makes people do that? I mean, but how, I don't, I'm, I'm curious as how I don't see how no matter whatever happened, our PTI or RBC. There's no way on earth that the, I don't think the law firm would ever get their gloms on your on your greedy gloms on your IBM stock. I mean, can you? No, unless it was negotiated somehow, which makes me think there's some pretty sharp lawyers in the room when that happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I, I mean, you're, you're putting that up, and the worst that could happen is is they sell the stock, they take the money from the loan, and give you the rest, right? Well, that's the way it would normally work, yeah. yeah. And any kind of hypothecation, I mean, that the, the deposit is there as a you know a guarantee of some kind, and it isn't really susceptible to be whittled down or to be forked over to somebody else who's also got you know some involvement in the deal, unless that's been arranged ahead of time. So I, I got to believe somehow somewhere there's a clause that says they've got that kind of priority position. I don't know how it happened, but it sounds like it was. Well, if, if, if there's no haven't happened without anybody wanting it to, well, there's no documents saying. I mean, these these the documents. I mean, as much as I mean, you, you'll hear me rail about you know some of the regulation and the fact that there's not competing market makers. And I, you know, I'll, I'll be willing to go to the go to the you know to go in the ring with anybody and all that stuff. But the fact is, our industry is pretty damn straight. <laughs> you know, right? We, if you put the stuff here, it's yours. We got insurance. We got it. You know, I mean, it's. I mean, I, I suppose if the whole world went under, there could be a problem everywhere if everybody's just broke, but I can't even imagine that happening, something like this. Oh, no, we're not going to give it to you until I get paid. Well, who are you? <laughs> well, it, it may, be, may be that nobody saw you know, the, the likelihood of this ever being necessary, and, and yet I just don't see how you know, you'd, you'd have some kind of stakeholder you know, holding out of money for, for other contingencies or as signs of you know, your ability to perform on the rest of the contract. Somebody's got their fish hooks in it. In case the deal unwinds in any shape or form, um, almost like a liquidated damages clause. I just that seems really ill-advised. Well, John, what kind of steps? Obviously, the the, the steps are. I mean, if, if you, you know, I, I haven't been working from home, but if I lived in Naperville and I had a family and walked the dog and 
if I could find a way to not come in, I you know, first of all, I like to come in. I like to see people, but um, if, you know, that's maybe that's old school. But the uh, uh, I like to go out for a drink afterward, over you know, maybe even go to the series where I find one of the Greg once in a while. The uh, but it's I mean, I can see people doing the other way. But the real reason why somebody, I mean, granted, you have friends and you learn the place, but real reason why somebody lives in Manhattan and in some apartment is you know they can barely turn around in for five grand a month is because you're making twenty grand a month. Right, I mean, it, I mean, it's that's why you're there, and uh, somehow or another, with these um, exchanges and other stuff, part and parcel to you know the thing being less competitive, you have less people. Now, I don't think that that's been a positive, okay? But but somehow or another, the only way to put these buildings more together downtown, and granted, there's stuff with the you know safety and people don't want to get on the train anymore and blah blah blah. The fact is. If the job was down here and the job was a good job, you'd get your ass down here, right? And you'd be, be happy. You'd be happy in the place here, and you know, all of a sudden the lunch places would be back and the bars would be back afterward, and everybody has a pretty nice time. It's not. It's not a bad life, but somehow or another, if there's no incentive, I mean, what is what happens? I mean, uh, it's not that building's fault. They're fifty percent occupied. I don't think. No, it, it's certainly not. And you know. For a long time, Tom, we, we've heard about how you know Chicago's switch from manufacturing to you know a service economy um, had all sorts of benefits. In that you know you you had you know clean white collar jobs up the wazoo, and, you know international banking and stuff. You know they had space up all over the you know the loop, um, and then you had you know high end conversions to apartments and some of the older buildings that you know had outlived their usefulness as office space. But you had what looked like a pretty good mix, but but now you know LaSalle Street has a huge symbolic value as the the financial magnet that kept the whole operation running. Whether it was manufacturing firms that had their corporate offices there, or law firms, or banks, or whatever, or you know tourism businesses, whatever, that it still represented the, the reason that there was any kind of job market here. And once once you surrender that, and you don't see that your main goal is to get businesses back here. Including corporate headquarters and expand what you've got, rather than retooling it for people who aren't going to have any jobs, even if they live downtown to walk to. I just, I just think we're, we're kind of living in some board game where, in an ideal world, we could have all these happy people renting apartments on LaSalle Street. But where would those people be working? I assume in Lightfoot's vision, none of them would be working. They'd all be on the public dole, which you know, doesn't work for me. Well, I mean, if you. The you know the idea of having a couple universities down here is not a bad idea. I mean, I think it needs to be a little more diversified. But I mean, the, re- the real reason why I mean, my you know my stepfather was a, a crazy duck, but he was a, he was a very bright guy. And he said it, the the reason why you want to be in downtown Chicago is he had a uh, an assistant. She was a Cuban lady, brilliant, I mean, real nice. Uh, but anyway, he says you know her her husband works someplace. He has a car. She lives on the north side or northwest side. She's down here at the time. She comes comes to work and goes home for two bucks a day. And, and, the, and the transportation, I don't know if she was a blue line or what else she was. The transportation, she walks to the thing, she hops on, she gets off, you know, blocked from the office. She says he doesn't need a car. And that's before her th- cars were 100000 bucks. And she goes, it, it is so easy to get people really good people to work downtown because of the infrastructure that, that you, you he says you could never get somebody like this in the suburbs they'd have to buy a car they'd have to they'd have to it, it, there's no way 
and so we we pretty much pissed all that away now because we don't we don't want that because we don't want certain element downtown we don't want to be near a subway station the last thing we want now no New York went through that routine where nobody wanted to be in those areas and all of a sudden areas come flying back and hey look this this Brooklyn has subway stations maybe we should all live in Brooklyn where for a hundred years nobody did right well people right. live there but so I mean it, there's a chance. You know, we can, but but those advantages, I don't think people even realize how how you know how advan- advantageous that is to be uh, to be able to get around and do stuff on, on a good transportation. I mean, all that stuff's just got to get cleaned up. I don't, I don't think our people have appreciation for it, Jen. I really don't. Not at all, Tom. I mean, the, the David Roeder wrote a piece in the Sun Times uh, about two years ago um, with the, you know in, in response to the whole push for affordable housing and converting office space and re- reimagining neighborhoods. And his conclusion at the end of the article was, you know, Chicago does not have a shortage of affordable housing, but it sure has a, a, sh- a shortage of safe, livable neighborhoods. And I think you know, the failure to recognize that as what's really holding the city back means you're going to make more and more dumb decisions about what to do with neighborhoods that remain viable or have any promise of being viable. Uh, you're, you're thrown in the towel on everything else, and uh, unless you bring those back, and unless you supply, you know, a reason to live in a neighborhood where there isn't a reason right now, uh, you don't have a neighborhood. You got something else. You got some kind of experiment, but it's but it's but it's not meaningful, and it's not going to attract investments. Well, John, I have a we got a dash here to break, and we're going to bring back Mr. M- Mr. Mike Murphy. Murphy. Uh, we talk about sign, but well, somewhere during the next half hour, I want to. Tell my story about one of my, imagine this, me, me being Jimmy Olsen, Cub reporter. A story about uh, a gentleman, nice guy, who works at, uh, well, he's a cashier, a place where I get coffee on Sunday morning. And, um, anyway, but it's a long story, but it, it, it is a story that, a little bit of a heart tugger in terms of economics and where this is all heading. Let's be just not on 22. We've been slightly leaking the whole the whole show. Came in, we were down like 10, right, Greg? And now we're down 22, we're down 55 in the NASDAQ. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks, Mr. Mike Murphy. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single-family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 
Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Hello, North Bank Stocks and Jacks. Matt Weber on the board. We have Greg Pappas still in the studio. We have Jan Flynn on the phone. We also have Mr. Mike Murphy, who was on last week. After all these years, he finally came out, and all of a sudden, he, everybody liked him, and he's a star, and he loves it, so he's back <laughs> on. And uh, Mike, how are you? Good, Tom. How are you doing? We're doing all right. We're, hopefully, we can talk a little bit about more upbeat stuff than places going under on LaSalle Street. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Chad here. <laughs> The, hey, uh, John, how are you doing, bud? How's uh, yourself? Not too bad. Good. Well, Mike, we have uh, we started, we're going to talk a little bit about the U.S. game and uh, some of the other stuff that's happened in the World Cup. It's been, you know, fairly exciting, but also, as usual, uh, when anybody does the show, you know, I, I'm way ahead by the time the next morning. So I want to talk a little bit about four years from now. Also, if we can, we'll get some time on the on the, the new college playoff stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll preempt Kevin on Wednesday. But all kinds of stuff. So what what did you make of, of our game, our performance? I mean, my, I was at my brother's last night for uh, dinner. He has dinner every Sunday. We're trying to get the family together. And his sons, have, you know, they've all played soccer their whole life, so they're pretty much way more into this than me. And they were, uh, they thought our guys were, uh, of course, the ladies uh, really thought our guys did well and were all happy about it, you know, that type, that type of thing. And uh, where, did, where did you put us? I mean, in terms of expectation, I, I guess we were, we probably met expectations, maybe a little better. Is that where, where would you put us? Well, the the USA played well, uh, particularly in the first half. But the um, the Dutch counterattack kind of got to them. I mean, we were controlling the game in the first half, and then uh, the Dutch countered and they scored that goal at about the ten minute mark with uh, Memphis Depay scoring, and then. Uh, we, you know, that once anybody scores in uh, in a soccer game, it opens up the game. So that put pressure on us to score. We looked pretty good. Uh, I mean, Pulisic missed that uh, shot at the beginning, at roughly the three minute mark. But then we really didn't get that many chances in the first half, even though we were putting pressure on them. And then toward the end of the first half. We ran out of gas. I mean, we could, I could see it on the field a little bit, and the Dutch scored that second goal, and then that kind of, once you get that second goal, it makes it difficult uh, to come back. Although we did in the second half a little bit when Haji Wright got that little flick on, and, uh, and that was really a nice goal. Uh, but the, uh, you know, the Dutch kind of controlled the game from the, end of the first half on because and what really made it difficult was the Dutch goalkeeper was about 6'8 so he was t- 
tough to get uh, things by him. That's what happened with Pulisic at the three-minute mark. The guy made a great save. And, uh, you know, but we did, uh, to answer your other question, we did essentially, uh, I, I thought we met expectations and probably exceeded them because uh, this is the overall performance in the World Cup. Uh, the, you know, we played England to a standstill, and uh, in England scored six goals against Iran. They scored three against Senegal yesterday in the quarterfinals, and they scored either two or three against Wales. So, you know, we held England scoreless, and, and they're the fifth-ranked team in the world. So uh, we did, uh, I think, considerably well to get into the knockout round. Okay, so now um, we're looking at four years from now. First, well, first of all, who do you, who do you like going forward? Uh, oh, you know, that's a tough question. Uh, the French look really good. I, I mean, uh, Mbappe, um, Kylian Mbappe is probably one of the best players in the world at this point. He's the leader in the golden boots, plus he's got two assists. Giroud, who is the French striker, he's scored uh, three goals in the tournament so far. And plus, the, the French have speed with Mbappe and Dembele, I think, is the guy that plays their right wing. So I kind of like the French. The English look pretty good, too. Um, so, but, but the, you know, one of them eliminates the other next Saturday. So that's going to be. I think whoever wins that game may win it all. Uh, so we'll see about, you know, we'll see. Like for, but, for uh, my, guy who's, my guy who's never played soccer. Go ahead. I said for a guy who's never played soccer, I'm backing up here, but uh, that's, that's okay, that's what I do. Uh, for a guy who's never played soccer, when you, you said our guys were a little gassed at the end of the first half, it, if you're putting on a, a pressure sort of thing, I get the feeling that's not something you can do for 90 minutes. I mean, it's like a basketball. If you're down by 15 points and all of a sudden you basically you bust your ass to get back to 15, you're probably a little gassed. It's hard to take that all the way to the end of the game, even if you are in the shape these people are in. Is that, if you, I mean, can you really pressure the whole time and for 90 minutes and not kill yourself? Uh, I don't think you can. And, and you can see how some of the good teams control the ball. You know, they'll take it back into the the back half and pass it around a little bit, look for weakness. You know, and my wife summed up uh, the the U.S.-Netherlands game pretty well. Uh, she talked about, you know, we look like the JV and the Netherlands look like the varsity. You know, their guys were so much bigger. Our, our team is very young. Now, that bodes well for the future, but we were the second youngest team in the World Cup uh you know, second only to Ghana. So, you know, the the Netherlands players were much more physically developed. I mean, let's look at Tyler Adams. He played a, you know, he's played a great World Cup, but he's just a small guy. And, you know, unfortunately, size matters some in soccer because you get pushed around in those set pieces. And we have two or three guys that were pretty tall and could hold their own in the set pieces. 
you know, for the most part, you know, we were undersized. All right, well, wait, wait, what's, this, what's a set piece? A set piece is a corner kick or a free kick. And when you, when you, like, uh, Pulisic took a lot of uh, corner kicks for us. He took all of them, actually. And uh, we didn't do anything on any set pieces or on any corner kicks. The Dutch do pretty well on free kicks and corner kicks. And, you know, their size. So a taller guy can get a header on the ball, and that's how uh, sometimes people score. So, for instance, England has a couple tall guys, Harry Maguire being one of them and uh, John Stones being another one. And the, the, the English like to do a corner kick and try to get it to Harry Maguire. They'll work a play to, to get, get him the ball on a header. And Harry Kane is a pretty decent-sized guy, too, although he is, uh, you know, he's just a prolific goal scorer. He, he does well in the Premier League, and uh, he's actually now the leading scorer for England in uh, World Cup play, or in international, not international play, but World Cup and Euro Cup play. Well, what number one, we've got, well, let's forget the other guys for a second. Now, we've got four years, we've got this young team. Now they're all playing. They're not. They're not going to hang around and practice for four years for the next World Cup. They're all playing. How does the team even stay together? Does, does the coach? Stay, what does the coach do for four years? I mean, my nephew was saying something. Have they every every summer? There's a break where they all get together and play these like friendly games, or two years from now, there might be the Europe Cup or the North American Cup. So they they sort of try and keep you know keep the the group together. But I mean, what percentage of these guys will be back in four years? And does I mean, what the, my, my nephew said the coach takes a few months off, but then they actually start piecing people together and get into their friendly games, and they start working it kind of right away. But is it is it a, it's a four year procedure, right, for the next one? That's correct, and there'll be uh, more qualification rounds, probably not this coming year, but the following year. And uh, and and I think most of the guys that played this year will stick around. Uh, and Bear, I hope that uh, Bearhalter, who is the U.S. coach, I hope he ends up sticking around too. Because frankly, I think he did a very good job. You know, the United States did not qualify in 2018, and this year we qualified and made it to the knockout rounds. So that's you know that's good on him. And and plus, you know, in 2026, the U.S., Mexico, and Canada will host the World Cup. So, as a result of us hosting the World Cup, uh, each of those three teams will have an automatic slot in at least at the beginning of the tournament. And also to our benefit, uh, there will be 48 teams in the next World Cup rather than the 32 that started the tournament this year. Well, Mike, that bid was—I assume there's some kind of a bid. What's the organization? I mean. The guys, the U.S. group, they actually have their, don't they have their uh, offices here in Chicago, right? It used to be in the old the old uh, Soldier Field building that got torn down. So they're somewhere on Michigan Avenue. Uh, who, who's the organization that combines the Mexico, Canada, and U.S. that actually put the bid to uh, FEMA? Well, what's the guy's name? Uh, is it FEMA, right? Uh, it's FIFA. FIFA. All right, FEMA. What's yeah. it? Uh, so, I mean, who, who even puts that bid together with the three countries? How do you even pull that off? 
I, Tom, that one I don't know. I'd have to do some research on that. But uh, I imagine that the, the three countries got together and somebody was the spokesman for the three countries and they put in the bid to, to FIFA and they won. Because FIFA's always trying to expand and make more money. So, you know, where's a market that needs to be increased is North America. So this is their way of getting an increased market share. My nephew's made uh allegedly said it was pretty much the U.S. doing and we let Mexico and Canada in, which maybe... Well, that probably made the bid more acceptable to, uh, you know, an international organization. So FIFA's international, and therefore, the more more countries you have, the better off the bid becomes. Is it as crooked as everybody alleges? Uh, You know, I don't know for a fact, but I would say it is. Look, the last two locations were Russia in 2018. So supposedly there were, you know, uh, Putin and his uh, Sloviki or whatever that Russian term is. And then Gutter with uh, the Emirates. I mean, they essentially, I'm pretty sure they bought the bid. So I do think it's as crooked as they say it is. Well, yeah. we didn't know, since we, the U.S., was not involved in the Russian thing. I don't, I don't even remember that. Did you, did, was that, whether that was a fiasco, whether it worked all right? I mean, nobody here seemed to pay any attention, because, well, I'm sure some people did. No, the, the Russian tournament was okay. Actually, the British, uh, at that tourney, the British finished fourth, and Croatia finished second, and the French won it. And, but the, I mean, the Russians did a good job, although... There were issues with some of the places where they played and with some of the housing. It was, uh, I think it was, I don't know whether Russia has also recently hosted the Olympics, uh, but uh, it was kind of the same, uh, you know, some of the housing wasn't quite up to par for uh, FIFA standards, but, you know, they still played the games, so. Well, what, what, there can't be that many hotel rooms in Qatar, or Qatar, where the hell it is, uh. Where, where no, there stay? are, and, and plus, it, you're you're in the. They're close enough to uh, uh, Bahrain and some of the other places in that area that uh, that people can essentially commute from one country into uh, Qatar because in in uh, Qatar you don't they they don't serve alcohol. At least they might be serving alcohol at very limited places. So people would want to stay in Bahrain to be able to drink. Well, didn't they, didn't they tie drink. up a bunch of cruise ships, too? I thought they did I, that. Um, I don't know about that one, but they you know, they brought in a bunch of what, you know, I'm an old army guy, so I, they brought in connexes, and they're housing people in these connexes for about 200 a night. And, and it, you know, it's a, a shipping area, so connexes can be shipped in easily and then put together. Well, it's a... Uh... <laughs> Anyway, it's a. I mean, I think it's 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 pretty fascinating. I, I was also, of course, you know, the, the stupid questions I ask is, is guys were saying that you know your big leagues where you're paying these guys all this money, they all break for people to to do these friendly games and stuff for this World Cup, and it's not like, you know, if if you're on the Bulls, you can't ski, you can't ride a road. God help you if you go play somewhere else, you know, because they don't want you getting hurt in other places. But evidently in soccer. It's all okay. There's a carve out for the World Cup and like all even the biggest leagues, right? That's correct. Uh, you know, FIFA is a pretty uh, strong organization, 
and that carve-out carve out does work. They, they have the carve-out for the friendly games, and they have the carve-out for the uh, regional tournaments. I, I think the United States does CONCAF or whatever the acronym is for that one, and then South America has their own tournament. Europe has their own tournament, the Euro Cup. So all of these, you know, the, the national teams are always able to play, although, you know, sometimes people will be injured because of because um, of league play. That happened with, really, Senegal's best player, Sadio Mane. He plays for Bayern, FC Bayern, and he, he got hurt, so he couldn't play in the World Cup, and that really hurt the Senegalese team. Well, we get hurt in the World Cup. Is the other guys keep paying you? I guess they do if it's a guaranteed contract, right? Oh, yeah, they they pay. And I'm not sure how much the national team pays, but I'm sure it's minimal compared to what the league teams uh, play, pay. Yeah. Well, do these guys get paid for World Cup, or how does that work? I think uh, for some of the games, I think they get paid for World Cup, and I'm sure that there's some prize at the end where uh, teams would get you know, a bonus from their nation or whatever. Um, let's shift gears for a second. We have Mr. Flanagan here and uh, and Greg here, if he wants to opine. And what, what do you make of the new uh, college football playoffs? For those that don't know, going to a 12-team format the year after next in the the six big conferences that have the the play, the uh, conference championships, the top four ranked out of those will get a bye. So on December 21st, the other eight teams play uh, so obviously you're, you're down to four then the other four come in and you start eight again so for anybody to go all the way it's another two games for them and the people who come in second which puts Matty what does that put college up to uh, right now you can you do 12 conference championship and then uh, you can do two more games so you could be 15 you could be 17 which is essentially up to a pro season uh what do you guys? What do you guys make of that? I mean, uh, since it, Notre Dame's not in a conference, they can never get a they can never get a buy, but they can get in. Uh, what do you guys? I I think it's kind of too many games, but that's just one man's opinion. I guess if you're a gambling operation, you want to play until Memorial Day. Yeah, I think it, it probably takes advantage of the, the hunger for more, you know, for, for more of a revenue stream for gambling. Um, it, it can't be good for the players, but um, I wonder what, what it does for the politics of bowl bids too. Uh, maybe it's, it makes it easier, maybe a little more streamlined. It also might complicate it, too, though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think of the... I looked at the uh, the Big Ten Championship, and it looked to me like if they didn't, weren't careful with the camera, all you did was show the end zone and nobody there. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, I mean, and they're, they're pretty careful with the camera, usually, but uh, I mean, once in a while, if a guy kicks a field goal, you got to show the empty seats, right? Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, I, I mean, if you didn't have the two teams having to sell tickets for these bowls, I mean, you know, the Irish have people all over the country, even though the school's not that big, so they usually don't have a, a problem selling out 10,000 tickets, but some people, it's a big deal. I mean, you, you end up paying to go to these bowls just for two weeks of practice. I mean, I don't know, do you think the bowl structure, there, what, there's 82 bowls or something? How many, how many bowls are there? Maybe you should know this. It's, and it, because there weren't this, this year... Two bowls had to get canceled because there weren't enough teams with six six wins or something. There's 43 bowl games, 86 teams. Okay, so then how many didn't two get canceled this year? Um, I didn't hear that, but that would not surprise me because they're all meaningless. Yeah, well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's I was hoping Maddie would say that. Uh, 
But I mean, you know, what are I mean, maybe the last three or four aren't so meaningless, but the point well made. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's about four worth watching. That's it. Well, actually, the, the the Rose Bowl should be a good game. Utah and Penn State. The Irish are playing. Uh, what are they playing? North Carolina in the Gator Bowl. South Carolina. I think South Carolina. Or no, we're playing South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. Right. South Carolina, any good? Or are we any good? I guess that's another question. No. Well, South Carolina beat uh, Clemson at the end of the year, and uh, I mean, they're a decent team. It's Frank Beamer's son Shane coaches them. So they'll be they'll be decent, and and they're coming on stronger. So I think it's a good matchup. Who's playing quarterback? You for us? Oh, that's a very good question, Tom. Uh, I guess Marcus Freeman will have to answer that question. For those that don't uh, don't know, our the, the quarterback is what was his name? Payne, Pine, Payne, whatever. Oh, Drew Pine. Drew Pine. He's uh, he's entered the transfer portal, and our and our buddy Greg here was in the studio with me. Is convinced he's going to like go to Alabama and be their quarterback. No, I go, he's not going to Alabama, but he did get an offer. I, I'm thinking he's he's Eastern, and I like the kid. He's he's a gamer, but Doesn't he's sound like it. Well, Greg thinks I don't like the kid because I don't think he's ready for Alabama. I mean, I, I mean, he did he did a lot of favors for Notre Dame this season. Well, yeah, the guys, kind of tossing him out. I, well, he, I don't think it makes a lot of sense, but that's just me. No, is he well, is, go ahead, Mike. Unfortunately. Uh, Pine, well, not unfortunately. Fortunately for Drew Pine, he is graduating this year, so now he's going to take advantage and go get a master's somewhere else. Now, where he ends up playing is remains to be seen. But I think Drew Pine is uh, making a decision, a decision that's good for him and might be good for Notre Dame football, too, because now it allows us to move on from him. Oh, Greg, the part you're... Well, a lot of people... There, there's so much behind the scenes in this stuff. As a matter of fact, I, I picked this up... Uh, Mike, I might, might have mentioned to you when we talked on the phone, or I, I'm sure I did with Jan. One of my clients, he's in Notre Dame. He's, he's three, four years older than us. Uh, he's older than us, imagine that. Uh, knows everybody. One of those guys, not like us when we left. You know, Knows all the faculty, all these people. Anyway, he's, I think he might have been a football player. I don't know if he was a starter. Probably was for a year or something. But evidently, there's, there's a couple of guys on the team. There's a, there's a guy who's a tight end, evidently. I don't know what string he is. The kid's really good, but obviously he's playing behind Mayer and some other guy who's terrific. And uh, and he's the the they make these kids kids these students show up um, basically the summer before. So you already you already got a couple classes under your belt before you start, right? And it's a good thing if you've never been in college. Instead of being thrown in with all these other people with you know thirteen hundred board scores your first day, getting a couple classes going is probably a really good idea. Anyway, they do that, but if you do that every summer. And you never get to go home anymore. But you really are, if you're any kind of a student, you're graduating after three years, right? I mean, it, it's I mean, damn close. So if you don't play for the three years, say you're redshirted your freshman year, and all of a sudden now you've used up two years of eligibility, you're now, you're now, you've now graduated with two years left. And if you're not starting, I mean, you, you can go to, I mean, you're not going to go to you know Clemson or someplace unless you're, but you can, you can go to a, uh, any any kind of a well, there's all kinds of schools with smaller programs, and go get your business degree or law degree for free. So now you have five years. You get your undergrad paid for, your grad school paid for, and oh by the way, you get to play for two years. And it's it's a I, I don't I, that's a good deal, guys. I mean, it seems to me. What do you think? That's a great deal. Yeah. I uh, got yeah, one thing that I mentioned yesterday, and I love Mike's opinion because he's. From the east, and obviously the economy is a little different out there. 
I go in there yesterday morning to get my gas and my coffee. I'm not saying where. There's a guy in there that now he loves it when I come in every every Sunday morning because we talk football. Big big tall guy. I guess he played football, but he he came from the auto industry where he was uh, a guy who worked in the parts area where you know catalog parts and ordered stuff and everything. Well, of course the place went under, so he gets booted. So he's working at this you know whatever you want to call it, sort of a con- convenience store. He says, well, you know, I got another job, and I go, really? I said, we need another job. He goes, well, I'm working. I'm going to go work at the Wendy's, on top of it. And he goes, but they pay. Seventeen fifty an hour. And I said, okay. And he goes, well, this place doesn't play anywhere near that. I don't know, how, you know, minimum wage is ten, so I don't know how far away. Because I asked him for two bucks more an hour, sixteen dollars a day. And they said, no, basically screw yourself. And I said, well, how many hours are you going to work next week? He goes, seventy four. Good God. And this, I mean, this is, uh, of course, the, the the now he'll he'll be counted twice now in the establishment survey, right? <laughs> we had the big labor numbers last Friday, which. Carl said were the, were the most disingenuous numbers he's ever seen. The establishment survey showed, what, 260 positive. Household survey showed 300,000 negative. It's been the biggest discrepancy like he's ever seen. So those numbers, whatever you think you're looking at them, they're, they're not. But the big difference is if you have three jobs, you're going to count three times the establishment survey. Household survey is going to call your house, and you're going to say, yes, I'm working. Something tells me that's not an accident. Uh, I, I would, I would say you're probably right about that. But Mike, what are you seeing in your area? I mean, we, we're so so Chicago centric here. Sometimes it makes me negative because obviously this area is not doing so hot. What's your area looking like? You're in what Charleston, uh, West Virginia? No, uh, Charlotte, Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Uh, there are plenty of job openings. You know, most service industries are uh, they're advertising. You know, a lot of local firms are advertising. You know, we had uh, uh, we had a fire at our house due to the solar insulation, and the company that uh, had to do the repairs they they've been advertising really forever for more people. Now, I don't think they pay the highest wages, so uh, you know that's just another. But there's plenty of job openings here. Well, Mike, are they? I know it's being cynical of me, but are they are they job openings where if you've got a place and you, you're used to paying people twelve bucks an hour and you happen to pay people seventeen, do you always keep the help wanted thing on the door just in case somebody shows up at twelve? Or I mean, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of that going on. They're kind of fake job openings. Well, I I think you may be right, Tom, but I mean, uh, I myself applied for a job that paid fifteen fifty an hour with UPS, and I, you know I was uh, given the job. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go at the time, so I. So the, I mean, there there are legitimate openings. Okay. So, uh, well, Mike, uh, thank you, very, thank you very much, bud. It was good having you. We'll have you back, uh, Mr. Flanning. Didn't even mind serving up some time to you. Oh, it's a pleasure. Good talking to you, Mike. And uh, good talking to you, John. Well, we'll say, say goodbye to you two dudes. When Audrey will be calling in a bit, talking about real estate. SP Futures down nineteen. We've come back a little bit. We're down as low as twenty five. NASDAQ futures down 47. They were down 50. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. When it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels, everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Load up X Stacks and Jacks. I'm Thomas Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 18. We're down all morning. We were down like 11 when we came in, and it leaked down to maybe 24. I know we're coming back a little bit. NSA Futures down 43. They were down maybe 55 ish at the low a while ago. Um, Dow Futures down 161. Let's get a read of what's down here. We got Boeing down 127. Caterpillar down to down 93. Home Depot down 99 cents. IBM down a buck. We got a couple of the only greens are uh, uh, CBX as well as way up, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, CBX have a buck forty-seven uh, over in Europe. These guys were pretty muted earlier, and they're down a little bit more now. DAX down eighty-two points, point six percent. FTSE over is up twenty-one point three percent. CAC around down forty-three point six percent. So the FTSE is uh, somehow or another uh, going the other way there. We're in Asia, this this is interesting. Uh, Nikkei up forty-two point one percent. Shanghai up fifty-five one point seven. Hang Seng up eight forty-two, another four and a half percent. What a great mini! Why don't you tell us to buy this thing at like fourteen five or something? For God's sake, that'd be nice. Nineteen five there, and uh, uh, they're relaxing a few more of these virus rules. Um, I don't know, crazy stuff over there with the re- people revolting there, people revolting in Iran. I don't know if there's any chance they're successful. That'd be nice. A Dow of thirty-four point one percent is on Friday. S and P futures down five. As they futures down twenty, so Friday was a very muted day. Muted uh, bonds up two basis points now, three point five two. They were down earlier. Bund unchanged one point eight five. They were down earlier. Japan unchanged all the time at point two five. Oil up two forty nine. That's three percent now. Eighty two forty seven. Brent up two sixty one. That's three percent. Eighty eight eighteen. Natural gas down forty two percent. Five eighty five. Also back under six bucks, which must mean we're at the Prospects for the winter aren't really horrible yet. Yet, uh, gold um, is down forty cents. So, say on change eighteen oh nine. Gold had a big week last week. 
Uh, silver down two cents, twenty three twenty three. Copper up two cents, three eighty seven. Um, now this is why. Well, in a second, we'll talk about crypto up one seventy six, seventeen thousand two seventy one. And if you follow the gold last week and oil, that has to do with the, the dollars come down pretty dramatically. Euro is 106 now. Up, they're not are both up. It's up 50 basis points, and it was uh, 97. I'm going to say three weeks ago. That's a eight percent move in a currency in, in like a couple of month period of time. That's unheard of. The, the British pound was 114 and a low. It's now 123. Again, that's nine percent. That's a, that's unheard of in a short term. That's what we're seeing. That's what's flinging these metals around, flinging the oil around to a big extent. Maddie, what do you have for us, Travis Weather Sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We still have our big issue this morning down uh, on the Dan Ryan outbound side that has the Ryan closed between 83rd and 87th Street and traffic all the way back up to 71st Street. It also has the red line service interrupted uh, between 69th and 95th Street. Uh, due to this crash that happened uh, overnight this morning and uh, has caused an ensuing investigation. So you're going to want to avoid the outbound Ryan if you can because uh, it's still closed and it has been all morning with no uh, signs of reopening there. Inbound side, uh, normal traffic volumes there. Uh, same for the Stevenson. We had an earlier crash in Lamont. That's all clear now. Eisenhower traffic starting to build but no accidents to report. Same for the Edens and Kennedy. Weather today, a bit warmer than it was this weekend, but cloudy skies and still cold, a high of 43. Right now it's mostly cloudy and 32 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 67. Right now it's clear and 60. In sports, the Bears lost at home to the Packers 28-19. Bears are 3-10. Sunday night football is the Cowboys blowing out the Colts 54-19. NBA hoops, Bulls lost again. They're now 9-14 after they lost to the Kings 110-101. Suns blew out the Spurs 133-95. In hockey, Blackhawks were shut out by the Islanders 3-0. Coyotes were off. They're at the Flames tonight. And in college hoops, Northwestern with a nice upset win at Michigan State, 70-63. Chief. Do we have Audrey? We do. Hey, Ad, how are you? Good. How are you this morning? Doing good. Uh, so, Maddie, you, uh, you haven't been here every day, but it seems like every morning now, not every morning, but like once a week we have one of these these fiasco type of uh, crashes. The one last week was on the Indiana toll road where the thing was on fire hanging off the toll road with the people below it in the, in the, the uh, Grand Calumet trying to put the fire out from below. It closed the toll road for like hours. This is just nuts. I well, mean, with the way people drive, especially on the Ryan, yeah. um, it, you almost wonder how it doesn't happen more often. <laughs> people drive crazy. Yeah, it's like expression. a free-for-all. That's how it, it really is. Well, I drove uh, home last night from my brother's on the Ryan every Sunday night. I mean, uh, boy, nothing, no, nothing stops you from drinking more than knowing you have to drive the, the Ryan. <laughs> uh, guy, guy blew by me. He had to be going 105 in some car that didn't even have taillights. You know, he, the chances of him being pulled over, you, you never see anybody pulled over. I mean, you can do whatever you want. And I, could, uh, I saw some guy get actually driving home to the north side last week. I saw this cop pull this guy over, and I'm thinking, what did he do? He must have, he must have thrown an empty beer can at the cop car or something. I don't know what would possess how do you How do you get pulled over? Maybe you're doing a, a well, good Well, there's just nobody out there to pull anybody over. Yeah, there's nobody there anyway. I, I drive, as you know, all the time. There, there are no policemen. You know, the state is, state police are the, the highways, and so, you know, I have that seen, I see an occasional state trooper, I don't know if they're being redeployed somewhere, I don't, but I tell you, even the speeding, and nobody likes to, a good speed more than me, um, watch how they pulled over, 
but I mean, I like to clip along in the left lane, but you know, you, people would just see something, when you are clipping along at 70, say, and somebody almost blows your car, you could feel it move when they fly by 95, 100, you yeah. know, right, Tom? Feels like you're part. You know, it is out of control, and a lot of times it's in a car that shouldn't be going that fast. I'm thinking, you know, at the tires fall too with the bumper hanging off, maybe this isn't a good idea. Well, so you get a load of this. Last night, I drive from uh, Audrey's over to my brother's, and LaGrange Road has one of these fiasco crashes on it at Route 83, Maddie. So both sides of LaGrange Road are closed. They were closed for like, you know, four or five hours. So, of course, the next one over on the one side is Willow Springs Road, and now the bridge is out there. So I, I usually take Southwest Highway. So now all of a sudden I see all these cars coming. I'm going, this thing must be closed both ways. So the, the light at 131st, at that point, Southwest Highway is is just one lane each way because there's nobody there. Well, at the at the intersection, Maddie, there's there's the there's the one lane, then there's the left turn lane. Well, the new trick now is you pull out and you fly past the cars in the one lane, go through the left turn lane, think your timing is okay at like you know 50 miles an hour, not 50, but close, and swing back in front of the cars in the other lane. If your timing isn't perfect, I can't imagine what that wreck is going to look like in that intersection. And that's a, that's a, I never even would dream of something like that. Yeah, you see that all the time. Well, when did that, when as soon as somebody saw one guy, then they, they, they'd get went in their playbook or what? Yeah. People think it's all okay if they do it. I had um, a very interesting thing happen yesterday. I'm going out to uh, take the dog, Maggie, uh, out in front, as you know, Tom, she loves. And. I happened to turn my head now. I live at the very top of a blind hill, and and it's marked that way. It's very steep, so anybody who's driving it has to realize it's you know it's not a good place to do anything. You're not supposed to make a left hand turn in the street where I live because you literally can't see people coming. And I always hear brakes squealing because invariably somebody does it at least you know once a day. But I saw somebody do something yesterday, and I just stopped. And God had to be watching over this, this person. Somebody pulled a U-turn at the top of the blind hill. Really? And somebody was coming up, and this, it was so close that the guy had to go in the other lane. If there would have been a car coming, it would have been a deadly crash. So somebody literally pulled a U-turn at the top of so the blind hill. So no left turn, that done before. So there's no left turn sign because it's unsafe doing a U-turn is okay. That's, wow! You, you got Manny, do, we, do we have schools anymore? I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, anyway. So, uh, what's going on in the? Uh, literally, literally, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I thought I was going to witness some people getting killed. It was, it was pretty frightening. You, you've been overdoing. Uh, everybody lived to be stupid another day. So. Yeah, lived to be stupid another day. What? So uh, we had Nance on last week talking about the, the uh, mortgage industry and how that's had a huge change in a, in a few months. What's going on? Uh, uh, with you, I, one of the guys that I do some uh, business with, and I talk to him 10 times a day, maybe make, make that 30 times a day, uh, in his area, he's from uh, South Carolina, or that's where he's living now. He said the prices are coming, well, when you say this, you got to be quali- you got to be careful. The prices at which houses were not selling, um, so, you know, people had their stuff on, they were, you know, maybe worth five, and of course it's offered at eight. Because those prices are coming down like fifty grand seemingly a day, which I'm sure it's not that fast. 
And also, he got gassed on there two ninety nine maybe last week, which I don't oh. think we're a ways away from that here. I'd a ways say. away. But he says they were going down so fast the gas stations. It said three oh five on the sign. It was two ninety nine in a pump because because all the other places oh, were lower. We're about to take a ride down there for vacation just to fill up so we didn't come home. Well, I can almost do that in a suburban with a forty two gallon <laughs> tank. Uh, but said so the housing prices are dropping now again. They're probably prices at which they were never going to sell in the first place. But uh, right now, um, Odd, what do you? Th- there's there's this restriction on supply, which people can't really sell their places. So we're not really seeing a wholesale drop in prices, but they pretty much you, you pretty much called the top last summer. You said they kind of stopped going up here. They kind of stopped going up, right? I mean, they're, they're at least steady. Right. Uh, yeah, they've been level here, but you know, this, again, as you know, I said before, not to beat a dead horse or but there is no inventory because if you have a a three percent, three to half percent mortgage, unless you really are in dire need of moving, why are you going to swap your three and a half percent for a seven percent? So it is, um, it's just put a clamp on inventory. It is still very busy where I'm at. Not crazy, but it's busy. So if there's a nice house, price right, it is still moving up in, in the, in Chicago, in the, in the suburbs. I can't speak to the city, but in the suburbs, in the west, southwest suburbs, our market is still good, but here's an interesting, um, statistic for you in our multiple listing area which comprises the entire area of northeastern Illinois from like the Wisconsin border down south past KKT and then you know out west to uh, oh you know around past Geneva a little bit roughly so that's a pretty good size area um, in the third week of November we had a residential median sales price jump in the uh, I think it was the second week of November it was was two eighty, which was uh, over a three and a half percent increase over a week basis and a year over year basis, and the biggest total in six weeks. So it's interesting the difference in the area. So you know we're up three and a half percent on a uh, you know median price, you know, because again their demand is still there. Well, there's a lot of areas that that encompasses a lot of. Basically, rural areas and smaller towns. I mean, it's not the it's yeah. not it's not the four hundred thousand median price. That supposedly, is nationwide. I mean, uh, right. no, it's, it's our our area. So the Midwest, and this is not unusual. The Midwest it usually tracks a little bit behind both coasts, which is what keeps us all sane as far as life and not just housing. We're kind of in the middle here. We're not. Yes, we've had some big price increases, but it tends to be. You know, somewhat stable, but the biggest thing that's hurting us is inventory. Um, the rates have come down a little bit. I don't know what they are uh, today. I've not looked, but they've backed off a little bit. So I hear that people are getting things right around seven or to, under seven. But there, again, there's nothing to buy, so it's a uh, it's a tough thing right now. And I think it's going to be very difficult in spring. I think we're going to have a little shortage uh, when people, more people are trying to go out and look again. Well, one of the one of the things that you and I had a discussion in 2008 um, is, uh, you know, that a lot of people at that time, because the housing prices went up so much back then, that not a whole lot of people could have... Could have the difference between the median housing price and the median salary was was pretty far. I mean, basically the median person couldn't afford the median house without even, anyone even close. And I'm going to say that 
it's somewhat is the same way now, uh, but even though but now you have more two-income families and all the other stuff, but what what percentage of the people that, I mean, it's probably more of a Nancy question, What if Nancy was here and I were to say, Nancy, in the last three years, four years, the people you put in all these houses, you, you got the loan for them, you didn't buy a place for them, uh, what percentage of those people could qualify for their place today at 7% instead of 35 What do you think our answer would be? I think you might be not, you might not, uh, well, there's two, probably two answers to the question. A lot of these people put maybe 10, 15, 20% down. So yeah. maybe you're losing, well, that's a tough, let's say 15%. But on the other hand, you could still get a conventional mortgage with 5% down. But I'm saying some so of the... You might be people who are, are, are qualifying, but there's more coming out of their, even put a smaller down payment on. And, and qualified still. I mean, it's and you, you could be qualified, but not maybe for that same house. Maybe you've got to take a step down. Well, because I mean, it seems like this is not just you and Nance. I mean, some of my, my buddies that do real estate closings, you know, for years and years, they've said it is stunning how many people, uh, you know, if you if you if you're, I guess if you're just getting married and you, you don't have a care in the world or don't think you do. Um, the amount of people that he said he had, he had one lady, he did a young lady, bought a condo downtown. This is twenty years ago, you know, right? Maybe not with Natalie, maybe ten years ago. He said basically, after the closing, he had to take her to dinner because she didn't have any money left. <laughs> uh, a lot of people really cut it close on the house. I mean, yeah, and you know, a lot of the banks now make sure uh, that uh, a lot of the lending practices they want you to have uh, like two or three months of expenses in the bank. So, you know, you're going to blow it out of your house right away. But it'd be, uh, but you know, it, it is still a good thing for many people because the kids now that are in apartments, especially downtown, and you're paying $2,500, dollars yeah. a month for a one-bedroom apartment, that's a lot of money to throw away. By the time you go through with a security deposit and the first month's rent, that could be a 3% or 5% down payment on a condo for yourself. Well, at least you got something to show for it at the end of the year. Oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not, certainly not going to debate that, but my point is is that if you, uh, two years ago, got a, you know, basically got yourself into a place and, and your most of the mortgage you could pay was, say, 2200 and you got a 3.5% loan, I don't think that same couple, unless somebody got a raise, uh, could afford... Forty five hundred, which would be the new, the new mortgage, right? <laughs> double, double the, the interest. Well, so what you would, what you do is that you're going to adjust your expectations. So maybe you're not going to buy that two bedroom condo; you right. buy the one bedroom condo. Right. What I'm saying is, I'm, I'm trying yeah, to figure out. So you're not going to reach. You're going to buy what you can afford, whether it's a car or a house or you know, a coat, whatever it is. Well, I, I know people make. Everybody makes these decisions, and I think people are. Even though everybody goes, ah, that guy spends too much, or that, that girl spends too much. Simple fact is, people are pretty rational. I think, unless unless stuff bad happens. And my, you know, I was just talking to somebody driving along uh, yesterday, the day before, where I said, I think we can we can probably work our way out of this quote Fed engineered mess where the rates were too low for a while, and now they're coming up kind of quickly. Uh, it's not so much that they're coming up quickly; it's that they were down so low. So people value things at so, at certain, you know. 
people who listen to the show, to me, it's all the same story. It's the exact same thing as uh, Greg talking earlier about all these biodiesel plants where people went out and borrowed money. Now the thing's three quarters built. All of a sudden, the government says, eh, we're not going to do that. You know, it's sort of the same thing. We're going to have 3.5% mortgages, and it's okay for you to pay 500000 for this house. All of a sudden, a year later, the mortgages are seven. Hey, you paid five hundred. Well, now it's worth four. Well, that's cool. I just I mean, we saved up for eight years for the sixty grand I put down, and now it's gone. Well, yeah. I mean, it's we I mean, you really don't like you really. People are rational. we're not seeing prices go down that no. like that. Oh, I don't think you're going to. I don't. Let's put it this way: we sure as hell hope we don't. But I mean, if you do the yeah, math, I don't see it. I don't see it either. But I'm saying, if you do the math, the risk is there. It, you know, it, it's hanging there, just like if a stock. Like a stock is, is kind of maybe, well, you and I may think it's too high. Well, one of two things is going to happen. If the economy blows up or something bad happens, yeah, the stock is too friggin' high. It's going to come down. It's going to hurt some people. If not, if, if everything hangs together, the economy and everything, maybe the stock just flattens out for a year or two and then starts going up again. And that's obviously the best way to deal with something too high. Well, right? that's the, the risk in life. You, yeah. you evaluate your risk before you do anything. Uh, but if you don't do anything... You also never get ahead. So somewhere in life, you got to roll the dice and try to do the best you can. I, I just don't think we that the Fed had these rates so low for so long. It, it is is. I think a lot of people don't even. I mean, even today. I mean, you listen to the people on, uh, on you know, on Tout Radio or TV. Uh, they can't. Their normal is when's the Fed going to get back down to, you know, to to one percent, and when's these mortgage rates going to get back to three? And I, I. I don't know if the answer might be never on that. Uh, I don't. I don't too. I used to always tell my younger clients, especially the first time, that they'd be out looking for a house and be either, you know, unrealistic expectations, waiting for the perfect house. And I used to tell them, buy something. I don't care if it's your dream house, your perfect house. Get something at three percent. This is free money. You may never see it again. And. You know, thank God a lot of people, I think, did listen. I try to give people the best advice I can. But for somebody who's lived through 8%, up to 20%, back down again in the tree, that was free money for people, as far as I'm concerned. I don't believe we're going to see that again. Historical average over the last 50 years is roughly comes out to be 8%. So if we're hovering in the 5 to 7 it's still historically a good deal. Well, plus, I don't think your your area. I mean, first of all, you're pretty rational with people. And secondly, in your area, we never really saw people paying a million bucks for a house that was worth six e- either time. No, two thousand and eight or now. You might you might have got nipped a little bit in two thousand and eight, where there's still people who you know are in their house and maybe uh, uh, you know if they sold it today, they'd scratch it, you know, or something, but. They're forgetting the part where the house they bought in 2006 appreciated, and they sold that one to buy this one. So, I mean, there's there's a million right. stories in the Naked City, but I don't think your area was ever that goofy, but I suspect if you were in California or in uh, some of these areas where everything went to the moon, you'd, you'd have a different story to tell, wouldn't you think? Well, remember uh, our mutual friend John got stuck at a, a place in, in San Diego then? Yeah. And he lost be huge on that house. Yeah. Um, that was, you know, they had a disaster. But the mortgage company has also learned from their errors. And, and ask anybody who's plowed through the paperwork, it's a lot more difficult to get a home than it was back then, too. Before well, plus, you know, 
you don't have it the like the wild west out there. Now there's it's it's pretty difficult. You've got to really come through and prove that you can afford that home. Well, and you also have you don't have thirty five hours of leverage sitting at it. You know, people aren't borrowing money in Japan and buying mortgage, you know, portfolios and stuff. It's yeah. So that home. has calmed down a yeah. lot, and I think it's it's for everybody's betterment because nobody. For I've gone to a few of my customers, and it's one of the most horrible things that people go lose their home. It's a horrible thing when it's lost to a short sale or a foreclosure. Uh, it, it's just a horrible experience when people have to go through that. So, yeah. you know, the best thing is to now just, you know, just always be careful. I mean, you know, you've got to make sure that as hard as it is sometimes, put a few bucks away for a rainy day because you just don't know when it's going to come. So I tell you, I've been watching this. I've talked to a couple of people about it. I don't think that this coming year is going to be as bad as people think. I'm going to go out and say that. I'm going to say, uh, we'll have to see by around March, but I, uh, for somebody who's ready to go to the bunkers and, you know, put the dirt in my, on the top and cover it up, I'm coming out a little bit. And I'm thinking uh, maybe around March or so, it's not going to be so bad. So I'm hoping I'm right. Well, for all the people who are, are, are predicting a recession next year, deep or not so deep? I got news for you. We've been in one for a while. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, all the people who are predicting and haven't missed the last uh, the last year when all of a sudden yeah. you go to the grocery store and uh, you put half uh, half the food in the, in the in the cart. I've watched people shop, and I've watched some women obviously shopping on a budget, looking at their cart, and putting some things back, and it's just heartbreaking. But if you go to the store or the gas station, uh, you've lost so much of your disposable income. And not even, if you're on a budget, not even a disposable income, unnecessary income, that something's got to give somewhere. And there's only so many hours a day where people can work two or three jobs. Well, all you have to do is drive by, try and get somebody to fix your car. The good thing I know guys, I got guys, but God's sake, every one of these places is mine because nobody's buying a new one. I mean, we, we mean the, it's, uh, it's, uh, people are hanging on to things. I, they're not. I don't think people are foolishly spending. I think they learned a lot from the last recession, and a lot of people hunker down earlier. Yeah. With their funds. Yeah. Well, as long as we don't have. And somebody, even if you drive around in the city, uh, as you and I were talking about, in the city, the suburbs, in the evening, people are not out and about in the restaurants and bars and shopping at the malls. The streets are quiet. So people are going to work, coming home, eating at home, you know, entertaining at home more. They're not, especially during the week. Those streets are almost rolled up. Uh, you just don't see the activity that you did when the economy was healthy. That's, uh, by the way, man, it's an old uh, South Side term from back in the day where you say, where you live, they roll up the streets at 10 o'clock. With <laughs> 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 a way of saying you lived out in Hicksville. But, I mean, there's places... Where Audrey lives in Orland, that there's pizza places that are closing at ten thirty. They always used to get an eleven o'clock crowd after movies and after stuff. There's none of that crowd. I mean, you would think when you get there at six o'clock and everything's crowded, everything's fine. But there's whole crowds that are gone. You know, the after after dinner pizza and beer crowd is. Uh, I don't know how many people go out after the high school football games and stuff, but or basketball games. It's just a. I mean, it, you know, things have sort of changed because of COVID, and I hope they come back. But, uh, all right, SP Futures down 30, NASDAQ Futures down 86. This is the lowest we've seen. We try to come back, but not so much. I'll be back tomorrow. Thanks, Odd. We'll be back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. Hey, guys. What's up, G? Want to go to Tchotchke's? Get some coffee? Oh, 
a little early. I, mean, I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.